You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, who have been telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com, and then definitely follow them on Instagram for all the information that you need, because I'm sure that's where you follow us as well, at oklahomahof. Let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn, who host, back with another episode up in Edmond today uh, with Jason Duncan, who has been on a previous podcast to talk about cycling, Cycle 66. If you haven't listened to that one, uh, it's a few podcasts back and definitely worth going and checking out. Awesome event coming to Edmond. But for people who didn't listen to that podcast, uh, Jason, thanks for having me up at the house, but give people a little bit of context. I mean, where you grew up, who you are, what you do, uh, if they didn't listen to that Cycle 66 podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, thanks again for, uh, for having me. Um, so I'm an Edmund kid. Uh, I grew up in Edmund, um, went to Memorial, graduated from Memorial High School, uh, ended up going to college at Belmont University in Nashville. And then found myself in Bozeman, Montana for a bit after that, before I came back here at the end of 2008. Um, and really never felt like I was going to be back in, yeah. <laughs> in this community. Uh, and it's funny how, and I'm sure this will come up lots of times when we're talking, but just the fact that, you know, when opportunity happens, you take it mm-hmm. and you start to look how you're going to build that stuff. But, but ultimately, um, I'm an Edmund born in a born kid and uh grew up here and it's been yeah. it's been a great place to be so growing up here was it like i just can't wait to get out of here i've got to go do my own thing i i mean i've always had an itch i think yeah um and there's been i think for me i went to oakdale schools so mm-hmm. i was kind of on the south technically i guess oklahoma city so i kind of yeah. grew up in that kind of light that oakdale is my place and for the people that don't know what oakdale is now it's getting bigger and there's a high school i think happening yeah. at some point but at that point there was 20 to 25 of us from kindergarten to eighth grade mm. um so it kind of felt like this tiny little community anyway yeah. um so memorial is my first edmund schools gotcha. edmund kind of thing um of course i played soccer all through school too so i had a lot of friends in, in and out of that but yeah. um I don't know that I ever, I didn't ever dislike what I was doing here. And I think that's the difference. I always had an itch for what else is, what else is possible. Yeah. Um, I didn't have this. I think I was one of the few people, um, in my network at least that didn't go to a state school. Mm -hmm. Um, but I always felt like there was something more that I could take away. Um, I've always been a little independent. Um, and so having the ability to say I can go anywhere. Um, you know, know, I always thought I'd go for soccer and I thought that would kind of drive my decisions. But when that didn't happen, it's like, Hey, I can go anywhere I want. The whole country is available and what better time than college, you know, it's somewhat protected. Mm. Uh, and so because of that, um, I ended up choosing Nashville for music business and, um, and then, you know, again, I've always had that itch of like, what can I do? I've never been attached to one place. I can appreciate the places I'm in. Mm. I don't ever, you know it's never moving and changing environment is never because I'm unhappy. It's always yeah. because, Hey, you know what? Like this has been awesome, but what's next? Yeah. And I've always had that look. Uh, and so that's kind of, so I'd say when it comes to Edmond, um, it always felt like a small town. Mm-hmm. It, I'd never for a phase of my life, that suburb life wasn't necessarily what I was expecting. Right. And even from 2008, I lived in Oklahoma city. Our offices were in the Plaza district. Um, I didn't, I mean, North of 23rd street in my life was only for work. I didn't do that very often. Uh, and so even moving to Edmond in 2012, I guess it was always felt like I had to, you know, chew my words and, uh, (laughs) you know, so it felt, it had this weird, like weirdness to it. Yeah. Never would I have written a chapter, you know, pre-written this chapter of I'm going to be in Edmond. I'm going to own a company. Yeah. I'm going to participate in city activity. I'm going to be a proponent and advocate for how strong Edmund can be and will be. Yeah. Uh, and be so, so involved. Yeah. So I think there is that kind of deal, but at the same time I was happy to take on what that felt like the next project. Yeah. It's funny how life works like that. Yeah, isn't it? it just wild. keeps throwing your ideas or throwing you opportunities and you, you know, you, you take one and then it just opens up this entire spider web yeah. of, of opportunities. And I talk and, about and it a lot. Into it. You I really talk, get into it. Yeah. And I talk about it with students and on boards when I get to speak with people about business and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. is that saying yes is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it gets, I think, a little bit jumbled because saying yes too many times, too many things can bury you. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, but saying yes to opportunity 
and the ability to say, Hey, what can that idea do for me? Yeah. Um, it's saying yes to opportunities. And I think we did that and it was super strange and I won't forget the car ride from a meeting with the landlord in Oklahoma city to a meeting with our future landlord in downtown Edmond. Yeah. Uh, and I, I won't forget it because the whole time I was mad, I didn't want to do it. It was part of our plan to do it. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't feel right. I was like, I'm not, I'm not living in Edmond. Yeah. And it wasn't because I grew up here. It was just because I didn't, I didn't, wasn't allowing myself to see what Edmund could be. And, right. and at that point it wasn't much, at, I mean, for what I needed. Yeah. And so it was that attempt to, once we finally got there and had these meetings and it's like, Hey, we could make this, we could help be the change that this district needs. Right. And if we can help with that, let's do it. Yeah. And that that's was, awesome, yeah. It? Yeah. That's really cool. Cause you really have been a huge part of it and, and done some awesome things, which I'm sure we're going to get into. But when, you know, you're growing up here, you're going to Oakdale and you go to high school at Edmund and, and, and then people are probably students and friends are going to OSU. They're going to OU. Uh, you're into soccer and I, obviously you're into music because you choose music business to go yep. to Nashville. I mean, Nashville is music city, isn't it? It's yeah, like, absolutely. So you, you know, you're 18 years old thinking I am going to Nashville. That must've been a great feeling. It was. And even now I, I loved every second that yeah. I lived there. And you know, we did, we left right after I graduated. I mean, literally graduation and the truck was packed and we drove out Duh. and so but it wasn't because i didn't love it we loved nashville we loved you know the outdoors we loved the music we loved mm-hmm. the community that was there um and there was a lot happening i mean it was a great place the weather was brutal uh i'm not <laughs> i'm not i'm not much for big humidity of course yeah. i live in oklahoma so i have to get used to it but um nothing like it is down there yeah but it yeah. felt different yeah uh but you know there's there was so much there was so much excitement there it's like what is this going to look like like what are my chances mm-hmm. um you know Belmont sits at the at the end of Music Row and it's like what I mean what does that mean and what is this what's the history of this and yeah. um the opportunities are endless all you have to do is work for it you know uh be a good person ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. say yes to opportunities and what what could happen yeah um and so I think I think I left there in a different spot than when I went, which is what should happen. Sure. You know, at that age and yeah, through those experiences. And, uh, you know, I went in thinking, Hey, maybe I'll be, get to work in publishing or, you know, copyright law or mm. something like that. Or, you know, even like managing bands and groups and venues to, I'm opening a coffee company. And that's a strange <laughs> thing to say that I gained from Belmont university living right. in, in the music city. But, yeah. uh, all those things help. They're all foundational pieces. And I was excited for what we did. And I learned a lot about, my other passions of, you know, being on the bicycle and, and being outside and, uh, what that community feels like I learned as well there. And I took all those things and I think I'm still using them. So I was stoked. Uh, it was exciting time to be in Nashville and now it's, I mean, tenfold different than when I was there and I'm still excited to hear friends uh, Mm -hmm. doing great things. What, uh, so obviously you you were into music growing up a lot. What kind of music, what instruments did you play? So my main focus as a kid was piano. Um, so all through, high school that was kind of my instrument yeah uh, and then a little bit of keys midi work at toward the end okay um i did a lot uh, at that point in my life in church music and uh things like that was kind of what i found myself doing very structured structured but just uh it was kind of the beginning of this like non-denominational kind of music thing that was happening so okay. i would still probably put it in that like kind of singer songwriter th- uh, thing i guess yeah um, did a little bit of my own, had a band in, I think my junior senior year that was a little heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fun. Yeah, it was a great season. And, yeah. um, then into college, I picked up guitar. Oh, I also played a little bit of bass too. Um, yeah. so I picked up guitar, um, in college when you go to Belmont, everyone's better at you than everything. Um, it's like the so, movie fame, isn't it? Yeah. Like everybody's I mean, good at you everything. show up and have all your gear and you're taking up to your class and then your roommate also has all that gear and he's taking up to the room and your hallway people have all their gear. And yeah. it, I mean, and everybody is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and again, none of these guys were going for music education. They're going for business, but everyone was just really good everyone's at what they talented, did. Yeah. And so because of that, there's music everywhere and there's instruments everywhere. And, uh, so I picked up guitar, kind of self-taught that, um, played keys for gosh, several singer songwriter at that point, Brit rock, this Travis yeah. Coldplay kind of thing was hugely popular. So I played for a couple of guys that had a very synth, you know, synthy Brit rock sound sure. and did that for a while. Um, played with, played locally with a group, you know, another writer that just needed a backup band. Uh-huh. Still did the church thing for that, uh, those four years too. And, um, it was good. I, yeah. I had a fun time. I learned quickly that I really liked 
the back line of what music was. Sure. Um, all through high school, I was the front guy. Um, and you know, in church on Sundays, I still was that, but yeah. being able to go and show up and say, Hey, this is, this is the weekly schedule. These are the places we're playing. Um, yeah. and I got to show with my keyboards and create my little cocoon back there and, mm-hmm. and play was really great. And it started, I think, opening my eyes to what the fact that like support is a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, my buddy Evan couldn't do the things he was doing, um, without, all of us backing him up. Right. And so it felt, I started to start, I started to understand that music business is a pretty like self-fulfilling thing. Sure. And what can my role be in that? Because it definitely wasn't, it was becoming apparent that it wasn't to be the man, to be the front man. And I, didn't want, the yeah. Eyes, yeah. I didn't like it anymore. I liked the business of it because the yeah. front man in most cases was the one that was running things. Right. But I didn't necessarily like to be or need to be this guy that everyone was seeing. I was yeah. happy to be behind the lights. And I think there's, and I think the guys I played with the same way and seeing some of those guys on yeah. the Grammy shows and making huge hits with huge bands is incredible. And I can remember lots of shows and lots of practices in the apartment, you yeah. know, like in the apartment next to having conversations with the electric guitar player about who's doing what pad. And, you know, cause we were, you know, at some point like electronic is electronic. And if we're both doing that, yeah. having these conversations about how do we play with each other, not over each other. And how do we, who's going to do what? And, yeah. you know, and then I see him playing with groups like little big town, you know, and it's like, <laughs> he's doing the same thing. He's crushing it yeah. and it's awesome to see. And it's exciting. And I can hold on to this time that we had conversations about the importance of playing together and collaboration. Right. And, um, and you know, this theme that I have right now is this collaboration over compromise and how we work together. And yeah. I, I, I mean, honestly, I can tailor this back to being in bands and it wasn't about, the head person or the writer or the director of music. It was about how do we as a band come together to help make this guy great. Yeah. That's our job. Yeah. And the reality of it is, is that most of us would have gotten replaced. Had he gotten to the next level, which is fine for me. Yeah. You know, and some of those guys went on to big things and that's great too. Yeah. Uh, And I was super excited for him and, uh, and that's kind of, that was that world for me. That's so Such a melting pot of talent, but also like, it all comes back to, like you said, collaboration, community. You, you know, you're all coming together to make this sound and put, you know, put on a show and make sure that the front man has the backing that he needs. Yeah, lift him up. And that's exactly the same as what you do in business. Yeah, you know? exactly right. Right. And in fact, I had this weird. I woke up last night. There's a venue called Exit Inn in Nashville, which a lot of people have probably heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome place. And it's one of those places on the wall. It's like all the bands that have ever played there. You know, so it's on the left side. Yeah. You know you're on stage so stage left it is this huge wall and it's all the huge people yeah and i remember sitting there thinking like it's funny that like a group of us are playing this this thing here and so we show up and we get everything in and the head guy comes in and he's like man I, my voice is about to go <laughs> and we're like Wait, this is the worst time for that to happen <laughs> and so all of us are mic'd and of course we know every word and it's like hey i might need someone to like pick up to pick up it. yeah and i'm like well that's fine but it's not like this is your stuff. So having someone else sing your songs when you're standing at the front is kind of strange, mm. but really like the answer is sure. You know, like mix our mics in the mix like you would if we were out front Yeah. this time and that's fine. Uh, and we'll carry you if you need it. And luckily it didn't ever have to happen, but right. I just remember that conversation of like, wait, your voice is going away and you want one of us to like, yeah. take over for you in the middle of a song. That's strange. The trust is there. Yeah, but it yeah. needed to happen. And I think it was just one of those weird, it's a weird thing I woke up with and I don't know why I was thinking yeah. about that, but I think there's just something to how music works together and, you know, and there's business yeah. everywhere. It's, yeah. If you, if you let it. That, that must've been such a great experience being down fun. there and, you know, being in the years that you're really growing as a person, learning all these skills. And because like you said, all these skills transfer to now, right? Everything you do now is, is what you've learned in the past. And you can draw from that and be like, oh, we did this and this. And when you start thinking about it and talking about it, it makes so much sense. Yeah. That? And what it boils down to always yeah. is that people matter. Yeah. Every, I mean, across the board. And I think, you know, through my first company that, you know, we ran and operated and sold. And even through our real estate company now, like I have a hard time attaching to mm-hmm. this like idea of projecting numbers and yeah. talking about us because I mean, as a real estate agent or as a coffee shop owner, like it's great. And we have yeah. a lot of things to do with those businesses, but really like take people away and what's left, right? you know, what's left is debt and a bunch of space that no one belongs. Yeah. I think there's music was the same way, you know, like if we're not, 
playing music that means something to us, but also trying to tell that story and let people attach to it. Mm-hmm. What's the point? Yeah. Um, and I think that can go with any type of music. I think with any kind of business, not that businesses aren't, shouldn't make money. You shouldn't be smart financially right. because that is a huge part. Um, businesses are there, you know, to support yeah. us and to do those things, but it boils down to the people matter. Yeah. Uh, and that's for me, it sounds like this soft kind of like, I don't know, fuzzy area, but that's how we operate. And that's how I've, I've always tried to operate. Do we always get it right? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. But we try to. And I think that's the important part. You're right. It's, it's so cool to, to have that. And when it boils down to just people and, and, you know, other things in the businesses wouldn't be the same as what they are without the people. But so you're in Nashville, you're learning music business, you're, you're learning about business a lot. Um, when I guess do you have a love for coffee while you're there and then I mean where does the coffee thing because do you leave there you graduate and think I'm going to go home and and then I'm going to travel and go to Colorado go to the mountains like no, where think, what happens in that yeah, period so it's a it's funny that this was back in so I get to Nashville in 2001 hmm. this is when coffee was taking off yeah um, and it looked like Starbucks and it looked like Caribou in certain markets and it looked like these big things but it also looked like these little mom and pop places with you know, dark colors and stages and open mic nights yeah. and, you know, poetry readings and all these things. Right. And that was coffee for us in this country. Um, and as a student looking to, and for, I mean, my, so there's four different categories, of music business that kind of, what are they called? Little legs you can take. Yeah. Uh, so my direction was management. Okay. And so because of that, we are, we are, we are doing classes on things like, you know, record label management and artist management, all these things that are management operational People management. Yeah. yeah. And so because of that, we obviously like, we spent a lot of time when these little venues trying to like work out deals for artists and do all these things. But what it boiled down to is I spent a lot of time there just doing, even doing studies and hanging out with friends. And we started every night meeting sure. at one of those types of places. We finished every night meeting at one of those types of places. It became clear to me that's like, man, what would it be like to have a venue? a spot where we can promote the arts in all those forms. So it could be live theater sketch. It could be music. It could be poetry. It could be book readings. It could be film. Who knows? But what would it look like to have a spot that was very well set up for those kind of live arts, but also had great coffee, maybe had some wine. Um, And so I became, I got hooked on this idea of venue, um, of space. And didn't really, I mean, I I drank coffee, sort of, you know, but it wasn't my thing. Yeah. But as I, so I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try to open this venue. I didn't know where, I mean, that okay. didn't matter. It was just, I was yeah. going to do it. But it was more about the venue rather the than venue. what was going to yeah, bring. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And I think the transition, and I think this is the best part of my story is it went from, if you're going to own something, you got to know something. And so I, of course I sort of knew the, like I had been booking shows and doing things like that through high school. Mm-hmm. So I sort of understood like throwing an event and the kind of work it took and creating the partnerships with vendors and yeah. sponsors. And I knew that I knew a little bit about booking traveling shows for, for artists. Yeah. I'd done that a little bit. I knew about playing cause I'd done that too. So I had an idea of the art side. Mm-hmm. I wasn't super worried about that, but the coffee side, I didn't know anything about. It just seemed, you know, I was one of those guys look at a coffee menu and think that's a lot. How does these people remember all this stuff and know how to do it? And I didn't get it. Yeah. Um, and so uh, by that point, I guess it was my end of my sophomore year, Belmont launched their entrepreneurship program. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a brand new school within the business school. And I was like, man, I've done them. I, I front loaded all my music business courses. So I didn't have any music yeah. business specific courses left except for my capstone. Great. And so, uh, so I had two years ahead of me, yeah. probably two and a half, even at full time. It's a huge program. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm going to, I have just general electives. That's it. So I switched, so I went and talked to the Dean of the entrepreneurship school who ended up being, I mean, he's probably been the most impactful kind of business mentor I've ever had. Um, and basically found out that if I were to switch, yeah, I could probably graduate with two summer courses within four years, like total. So I'd yeah. be out in my normal to two years left. And so I started realizing, man, this would be really helpful if I want to open this place. Um, so I started, jumped, I switched majors, jumped over to entrepreneurship and, started this process of unpacking what it means to be a business owner. And I was thankfully a part of a program that was geared toward the entrepreneur. So it wasn't a case study based program, which are very helpful. Yeah. But this one was geared to the entrepreneur. It was, we spent, I mean, we spent semesters 
talking about what it means to own the company and the impact it is on you personally and how you define success and what you're going to do to exit and yeah. all these things that nobody wants to talk about in business because we want to talk about selling, which is an exit, but we want to yeah. talk about getting big and the margins and you know operating capital and all yeah. the fun and stuff. And getting bought out by a giant company and all the rest right. of it and exactly. you know, retiring and on the beach. Yeah, but yeah. we don't want to talk about the impact on your family right. and the fact that you're going to miss every holiday for the next 10 years. 18 hour days. And you're going to be broke all, all the time and yeah. you're gonna, your friends are going to be sitting in you know, $60,000 a year jobs out of college and yeah. weekends off and you're not going to have any of that. We don't yeah. talk about that stuff. Yeah. But luckily we got to. And part of that deal was you have to know your business because you're it. Mm-hmm. No one's going to like it as much as you and you're that, it. Yeah. You are the janitor, you're yeah. the CFO, you're the CEO, you're the head of marketing, you're the head of people. Get You better learn something about it. Yeah. And so he challenged me to learn about the coffee because my answer was always, I'm going to hire the coffee management out. Yeah. I'll hire a manager, they'll do the coffee, we'll be fine. I'll do the art and the management of the place. They'll do the coffee. Yeah. Perfect. I don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And he challenged me to learn that stuff. So I met with a couple of coffee shop owners I really respected in Nashville who, for some reason, said yes to <laughs> meeting with some you know, crazy Belmont College kid. student. Yeah. yeah. It has this big idea to make this cool yeah. you know, coffee company. And so we, I met with them. We started diving in. I started realizing that this coffee was this iceberg that I had no idea about. Yeah. Um, and there was, yeah, I see it. Like what I'm seeing though is like this tip. It's the final step in this yeah. process that is so deep. And I started realizing as I was unpacking it that I was like, oh, that's cool. Let me learn more about that. And I realized as I was leaving Belmont, mm. there's a lot that I loved about the coffee and I was losing interest in as coffee was changing culturally in our, in our yeah. country, but especially where I was in Nashville. Um, I was like, man, this could be this could be awesome. Like, what does this look like? If I learn more about coffee, I started losing interest in like, I don't care about, I don't necessarily know if I would care about this, like mm. all of this arts. Now arts need to be a part of it, but I don't think I need to have, I don't think I want to be an art space that has a little bit of coffee. I think it would be a coffee place that has a little bit of art. Yeah. Um, and so that's how that transition started. Yeah. And I ended up diving into, you know, met some now great friends in Portland when I was there and did these coffee classes and they like immersed me in this like culture of, of kind of what was this like a new wave of coffee operations sure. that were starting on the, you know, in that part of town of the country. And I just fell in love with what coffee was about. And I was learning about origin, about where it comes from and the people that are making it and yeah. different machines and how we can translate this and this, you know, stylistic, you know, spectrum of what coffee can be mm-hmm. in the cup. Um, and I realized, so it felt like every month it was like changing what I was, you know, trying to come up with. Yeah. Um, and so, it was this weird, it was just a real evolution. And that was, and it was that change of, you know, yeah, I took all that management stuff and I was doing it. I still love it. But I, but the transition of trying to learn something new and be better yeah, kind of changed my whole rotation because I didn't know before. Uh-huh. And once you learn it, it's like, man, and I can still remember like, even when I was in, we had moved at that point, we had moved to Montana. Yeah. That's where we we're going to launch it. Um, I remember meeting with people that were going to be coffee managers and having these, interviews that were way early yeah but i needed i needed to meet people because i sure. didn't know enough at that point still and i'll never forget thinking back on the fact that we missed out on so many leases you know for this space and like man knowing what i know now and you know to actually launch something where we could open the door to people yeah and what would that would have looked like had we done it at that time with what we knew and in that place i mean what would have happened i have no idea it may not yeah. have been we may have been out of business in six months for all I know. Yeah. But it was all that knowledge and that seeking. I don't even know how we got to this point in this conversation, but, <laughs> uh, that's, but that, but that transition was a huge deal. Yeah. Um, and it really set the stage for, you know, like learning what we can do to, to be better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you go through those, like you know, those first two years, you're learning all about business and, and, and music stuff. You do all your, like you do all your classes and then you think entrepreneurship, why not? Let's try it. And you think I can do this in four years. Let's get it done in the next two years. And you go on this huge journey of like falling deeply in love with coffee and what it becomes. Yeah. And then everything that you've learned before, the art, the music adds to that space. Yeah, right? Absolutely. So when you graduate, you, you know, you, have you met Jenny at that point? Yep. So okay, we got so married a year meet, prior. So okay. we got married right before my college? senior year. Yep. Met, okay. Met at Belmont. So you meet there and then you both, obviously she's like on board with the idea and you move to Montana. Yeah. So she... <laughs> Uh, I would never put words in her mouth, but I don't, I think she drank coffee when it was there. And I think she was willing to sign up for this weird dream that I have. I'm kind of an all in kind of guy. Yeah. Um, which I think we can talk about later, but it, it lends itself really well, but also makes it really hard because I need to believe in something and the longevity and the power of 
that if it's a brand or if it's an idea or if it's an event, yeah. um, I want to see it make change. And if it doesn't, it's hard for me to, to really like give right. any kind of deal to it. So having my own thing, I was like, what can this be for people? What can this be for me? What can this be for us? Yeah. Uh, and so she was willing to, to basically like say, I can do this and we can yeah. do this together. And, uh, she was a huge part of it. She didn't know the coffee, but she went to the classes with me, you yeah. know, like it was like, we're going to do this together. You have to know it. Yeah. And you know, she, you know, she hammered it down and did great and was a huge part of it. And yeah. yeah, so she, and luckily she's from steamboat Colorado and her parents had moved to Montana for a few other things. I had some okay. Montana connections back when I used to travel with, uh, a band and do help with some merch and yeah. just kind of general help. Uh, so I knew some Montana people too. And, uh, we just needed a spot, you know, my junior year to write this business plan that I was yeah. trying to graduate with. And so we could kind of pick anywhere. It didn't have to be specific, but we yeah. like, well, if we're gonna spend the time, let's try to figure out where we would move if we could. And yeah. we fell in love with Bozeman. Um, her parents were living at that point. I moved from steamboat to Missoula. And so there was yeah. a little bit of connection there, but we just kind of fell in love with this idea of being back at West and yeah. being in the, in the Valley and having the mountains and the outdoors there, but also having a town that felt, a little urban, yeah. a little suburban. So much more appealing than Edmund at that time. Uh, yeah, at that point, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, at that she, point it was. And she had never been. I mean, yeah. she had been to Edmund, obviously, to visit But with her family. family there, and it was but just yeah, it made and more Oklahoma sense to go Oklahoma to her was off the... I mean, like... And I would say probably when we yeah. had the conversation of moving from Montana back to Oklahoma, it was still... Yeah. That was a big thing for her. I mean, that, and that was some sacrifice. She definitely yeah. wasn't... Had no plan ever to live in Oklahoma, right? And I didn't have a plan to ever move back. So I mean, yeah. I think it was fine. Yeah. But yeah, the willingness was definitely. <laughs> <laughs> she was a big part of the success of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. She was into it, and that was. I mean, yes, we picked up, and we rent. Her mom then yeah. looked at a house for us. We rented it sight unseen. Um, straight to Bozeman. Straight there, yeah. yeah. And that was kind of how we've always done things. It's like, there's an opportunity, let's go do it. Let's go figure it out. Let's figure it out, yeah, we'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah, we got um, our basic needs done, everything's yeah, met, yeah. let's go. We can figure this out. Yeah. And I think that was the start, and I think there's, I think that's some of that saying yes bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. But I figured the worst case, I can always flip burgers, right? Exactly, I mean, well, that's the thing, that's the thing I struggle to tell people is like, that sense of event, advent, that sense of adventure, and that, like, yeah, let's go do it. And you have really, you know, as long as your basics are covered and you, you know, you can make money, you can always get a job anywhere. Right. Like, just go and try it. And if am I it big sucks, enough? You can always go home. Yeah. And am I know? transparent and open enough to do something that seems not yeah. as legit as a college grad? Right. And at that point, I mean, obviously now, the the power of this like undergrad yeah. certificate is not that big of a deal. Right. In fact, but back as I look at new was. jobs, like, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, yeah. there's thirty five thousand dollars a year careers that they require an MBA. It's like that's mm-hmm. crazy. But yeah. that's where we are. Right. But at that point, we weren't. I, yeah. as a, you know, here I am, like, from a private school in Nashville with a, yeah. you know, a degree in entrepreneurship and, a, you know, an 85-page business plan and some publicity to go behind it. Yeah. And I'm walking in. So I had a little bit of confidence, I think, that I'd go anywhere. But right. I, don't, I don't know. I, luckily, I found a job. It took me a while. Yeah. Jenny went right into real estate appraising with her, with her family, and that was great. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to not have any school debt. And so... Yeah. I didn't have to worry about this like instant, Hey, like we want our money back. Right. So I found a job that was not in anything I'd ever done before, but what it did, but, but what I always in the back of my mind, I was like, I surely I can get hired at 12 bucks an hour at McDonald's. That's what they were paying. Yeah. But yeah I don't know yeah, why yeah. they're paying that much. Cause no one wants the job, I guess. But yeah. And I was like, I can do that. And of course, as you go into the job, I was like, am I willing? And at that point, I think, I think I believed I really was willing to do whatever yeah. it took to be in a place I wanted and to have the, the shot at creating this company that was only been on paper so far. Yeah. And those two things together, I was like, we can do this. Yeah. I wasn't scared of it. I wasn't scared of the work. I mm-hmm. wasn't scared of any of that stuff. Yeah. Let's do it. And that's the, that's the question that you've got to answer and ask yourself is, am I willing to flip burgers while my other college friends are going off and they're signing six, you know, $60,000 jobs and they're working and they might be buying a BMW and leasing right. it or what? You know, they, they're coming out of college, right? And they're living this lifestyle straight out of college. They don't have much debt maybe. And, right. they, and they look like they've made it, right? Yeah. They're 21, 25, you know, 21, mm-hmm. 25. And you're like, actually, I'm going to go and I'm willing to flip burgers because I'm going to build my dream. Right. You know, like it's when you're that young, it's a really hard conversation to have with yourself. Right. But if you're willing and you believe in it and go, you can always if, get a job. Yeah. And if Just you can go understand that, you know, as we were talking before this all started, yeah. like if we can operate in the fact that we don't need right. a lot of that stuff. So yeah. what do I need? 
you know, what I need is a dream to follow mm-hmm. and some people to do it with. Yeah. And I mean, I need a place to live and I need to be able to eat, have some food, but I don't, shelter, but, yeah. but those things don't need to be the center point. Those don't need to be the chase. Yeah. Those need to happen, but they don't have to be the chase. Right. And I think that was important. And I, if I could go back and do things again, I would do things differently to yeah. keep focused on that. The dreams are important and that the freedom of, of all the other stuff is also important. And I believe in that fully now. Yeah. Um, and we're paying for that still right now, honestly. And I think that's, but what's shaping our conversations now is mm. what are we chasing after and what is it that we don't need? We don't need some of the stuff that we yeah. have. And I think that's the, I think that's the fun part of this and the remembrance, but yeah, I, I needed a dream to chase yeah. and we were all in. So you have this 85 page business plan and you think, right, let's do it. I mean, where do we get to like opening up the store and, and it, when does it become like real? Yeah, so Signing a lease and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right? So we, for about three years in Montana, we were fighting, we were fighting, we were slogging through leases yeah. and opportunities and I had this business plan. I had one practice entrepreneurship award at Belmont for that plan, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Me along with a couple other entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, but I started this blog. Um, my professor at Belmont had one called the entrepreneurial mind. Mm-hmm. I started one called a thought over coffee and really set out to be crazy transparent on the process of dreaming, planning and opening. Yeah. At that point we called it cafe evoke. Um, why, why cafe? What was the name? Where did the name come from? So the funny thing was is that for two years I was playing this, playing in this company, the yeah. title of the business was blank, but we had this idea of evoke thought. What is evoke thought? Like, okay. Like, like what can this place be for people and what does the space provide? Yeah. Well, it came down to, I needed to pr- defend this business plan and present it and talk about it. And I needed a name. So we just moved evoke up to the top and called it cafe evoke. And okay. that's kind of how we ran with it. Sure. But, um, so I had this blog, um, wrote really transparently ended up getting, there's a, at that point there was five or six kind of small business blogs. Anita Campbell had one and, um, Dan Carlson had one and, uh, several others that yeah. were pretty like popular within like INC and entrepreneur magazine and all yeah. these things. Um, so I had one and I started getting picked up by these other blogs because I was this kid, um, in this blog space, I wrote very off the cuff, which yeah. is not normal for business. Um, probably I still write that way. And yeah. it's this really weird, unedited kind of like, I write the way that I speak. Yep. Is exactly. the same way. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm I terrible at grammatical everyone stuff. Everyone yells at me like, like yeah. Hey, you need to edit. It's like, I know I need to edit, but I kind of don't want to. But when you read it, you know that I'm, it's coming from me and you right. know exactly how. And it yeah. was real life. I, I would say this was pre Twitter yeah. and I would say I wrote short bursts, but big updates. Okay almost in conversation like I would Twitter. So I was on that a lot. Yeah. So I got picked up. So us news and world report reached out to me and said, Hey, we want to like feature this thing. And I had just moved to Montana Yeah. and this is December of 2012. And so I got in us news and world report, you know, like I was standing in the middle of, it was snowing in Bozeman. They had plowed the streets. So it was big berm in the middle of this four lane <laughs> downtown Bozeman. Yeah. And here I am with my coffee cup standing right smack in the middle of the road. The cars are honking and the photographers out there, but you know, like they flew this dude in from New York city. Yeah. You're not going to miss this shot to no take way. these pictures. And he was leaving that night. Yeah. So he flew here just to take pictures of me. And he yeah. was like, I want you to do this. I'm like, and I felt like, <laughs> I'm not doing this. This is embarrassing. He's like, these people no, know this who I great. am. Yeah. Was, the pictures were super cool. Yeah. And you know, so we had this like momentum of people knew us and they were interacting with us and yeah. watching this kid from Oklahoma that lived in Nashville that moved to Montana, like figure out what business is like. Yeah. And, you know, I was sharing all these hard conversations. I was sharing good conversations. I was crazy transparent with the frustrations yeah. and just how this was happening. I, I, I mean, I didn't know. Um, I didn't know anything. And I was I mean, nobody is that transparent in business. And I used to get emails all the time from yeah. people like talking about that. And we dipped into some social stuff and some environmental things. And we, you yeah. know, we're a little, I mean, we were a little progressive for that time. Sure. Um, and so that all happened. You know, we talked about these leases and we had a lease signed. Yeah. Finally, this was, we were actually in Portland at one of these coffee classes with some friends. And uh, I remember getting FedEx overnight to the hotel and signing these leases and yeah. sending it back. And we were stoked. And, ended up while we were there, we were hanging out with the head of Noah Simonelli and the head of all these big time things that we had gotten to meet because of this network of friends. And right there, I bought equipment and put deposits down and, uh, got back to Montana, just super high on the idea that like, man, this is going to come to life. What's it going to look like? Yeah. Um, and then Starbucks comes through, (laughs) uh, and Starbucks didn't exist in Montana yet in this market. And so what they do is they come through and they sign LOIs they literally at buy any everything. spot that could work for them. Yeah. 
So they could have six LOIs in one community. Yeah, people don't. People listening don't understand this. They yeah. literally ruin small businesses so, in the town and buy up every it, single potential space. It was this weird thing that like uh-huh. they were allowing they, their work to create a coffee culture in America was allowing my dream to happen. At yeah. the same time, I was now fighting with them. Right. This is really strange. Kind Such of back weird, and forth. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've always highly respected their ability to spread. Yeah. This like. What they've done is amazing. Coffee and all this, but yeah. at the same time, like I wanted to open mine. Of course, yeah. So I get a call from. So we had signed it. You know, we're talking these bigger. This California company that yeah. had this strip center in Montana, and um, so we'd already been working with them for a month, and we finally signed it. I don't think they had returned it, yeah. and they called me and like, "Hey, Starbucks just called. They want the space tutors down from you on the corner with the drive-through. Yeah. Um, they've offered, I don't know, twenty-eight bucks a foot for it. Yeah." Double, triple, probably what probably you guys had it for. At least, yeah. definitely, probably 10 to 15 bucks more. Yeah. I'd already committed every penny I had to the rate that I had yeah. picked out. Yeah. And they gave me the option, come up to this, which is not up to where they were, but come up to this. Come up to a number, yeah. Or we're going to let this go and sign with them. Yeah. And, I, you know, because for some reason I find myself mm-hmm. in a lot of fun circles with a lot of important people, yeah. um, I knew some of the guys that ran construction management for the corporation that owned that segment so yeah. for Starbucks and he's like Dude, they're not going to go in that spot like they're already looking at raw land it's going to be out on this other part of town and right. I was like well I, I mean so even knowing that I was like here's what I'm willing to do and they said hey we're going to hold out yeah so I was like alright cool so contract's done well the problem is I had that weekend yeah. before had already bought ultimately bought and agreed to buying probably $10,000 worth of equipment to go into that space right yeah exactly so and fitted for that space yeah. too right yep it's i mean luckily that was pretty like the stuff i had purchased was universal yeah. it didn't matter but yeah. we had purchased it uh-huh. so you know agreed to like no kidding get to, we, now we could cancel it right but the deposits but were deposits gone yeah and they were deals that i wasn't going to get anytime else well, because i was sitting at a, i'll sit in a pub yeah having coffee and beer and wine and yeah. the works with the heads of all these companies and they gave me the bro deal, which is great. Except bro deals, anytime you do bro deals, as an aside, you get a great deal, but there's also not as much leeway. Because they've already given you a deal. Yes. Right? So shakes and you don't want to It's kind of like when you, you have your buddy come in. and all the rest right. of it. Have your buddy yeah. design your website. Like, you don't get to, no. like, force yourself to be the first. Yeah. You get to work into the schedule. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of the same thing with this equipment. The deals were incredible. I never was going to get those again. Yeah. They were, I mean, it was awesome. But so, it was probably still a stretch for you at that point. Well, luckily, right? I had knew we had already done our financial projections. So yeah. I had already kind of pulled aside enough money. So it didn't, like, okay. I had the cash to do that. Yeah but I wouldn't have spent the cash if I didn't have a spot. And it didn't have a really good deal. Right. I yeah. mean, I didn't, yeah, yeah, I never yeah. would have spent makes the sense. So here I am. Yeah. So that's gone. Well, we keep working, you know, we keep meeting with communities and spaces yeah. and trying to look off outside the box of like buildings that maybe were, have been vacant. How can we figure this out? How do we yeah. create a community space and how do we make it for the people? And how do we tell that story genuinely? We just couldn't make it happen. I wrote, yeah. in fact, I wrote our biggest one. I, I restarted this blog during COVID, yeah, I thought of a coffee.com and uh, wrote about one of these things with Northeast Neighborhood Association in, in Bozeman. And it was the hardest, most, I still remember it today yeah. um, when I had to meet with the neighborhood community and they hated me and they thought I was going to, I mean, now, of course, everything I wanted to do exists right. there and they all absolutely love it. But yeah. I was the first. Yeah. And Jenny and I were at this meeting and getting It's always the hardest being oh, the first. Always the hardest. Just getting manhandled by it. And people were saying yeah. such mean things about us and writing articles, opinion pieces in the paper. And yeah. I mean, it was terrible. But I learned a lot. Yeah. But that aside, here I am. I have 10,000-ish dollars locked up with, with machine companies. What yeah. am I going to do with this? Yeah. Um, and my parents had been hiring somebody in Oklahoma to do their events mm-hmm. called Dirty Water Coffee Company. Italian ended up being a friend of mine uh, afterward the owner, but I didn't know. So I called him. I was like, Hey, what are you doing? He's like, I catering. I can do 10 a week. And yeah. you know, like we set up espresso machines that have parties and do this thing. Well, I started, I took that idea. I was like, well, what if I made this where we were actually not setting up these little tiny, like sure. kiosks, but we made this look like full on shop in events. Yeah. So these formal, like nice, big setups, you know, yeah. all those things. So I was like, well, so I called these companies. I was like, hey, I have a deposit. This deal fell through. Do you have anything that's 110 that's like more home style? I could do this catering thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about the catering deal, but I know it happens. Like, what do you have? And yeah. they said, well, yeah, we have these, this, this. I was like, all right, let's do that. 
So I find a cart company, we build this big cart, we buy a trailer and we put it all in this trailer and we go yeah. set up these parties. And we do, I mean, our setup is a 10 by 10, like full on, you know, like skirted kind of coffee shop. Yeah. I mean, the real deal. It sort of looks like yeah. what you'd see if you went to like a food court in the mall and you had like something in the middle. Like it was kind of this gotcha. big formal thing. So we weren't, yeah. we couldn't do the small little things like house parties are really difficult at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but we could do museums and weddings and businesses and all these things, you know, with this big car, big we had a sink spaces, on it. We yeah. had all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and we started doing that and luckily we got to use our money and that's kind of how we launched Cafe Vote Catering first. Okay. So it's to be a, like yeah. a third kind of tier. We always had this idea of doing it. Yeah. But as another string to income, yeah, it's like, hey, we could have a trailer at the ski resort. We could have, you know, it's like, but it wasn't ever fleshed out. But we knew at some point a mobile version could happen. Yeah. So that's what we started with. So we went from this cafe is about to open to, oh, we're doing catering. And so we do Bozeman for uh, two years, I guess, and it was okay. And then in 2017, in December, during campaign season, my family's at that, my extended family at that point was pretty involved in Oklahoma City politics. And we, so we found out that they were having some fundraisers and yeah. birthdays and I was like, well, let's bring all of our gear down for the month. So we pulled the trailer from Montana to here. Mm-hmm. We booked a few of these parties. We had some friends that own businesses. Let us come and do that. They paid basically enough to pay our, we didn't charge a bunch. We just charged mm-hmm. enough to like make the trip free. Yeah. Um, well, as we were at these events, people would hire us for their, like, they're like, Oh, we're having a party tomorrow night. Like you're there. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, we have nothing to do. Why not? Yeah. We'll come. Yeah. And it turned into, I think we booked enough to pay the trip. We booked like five events for that month and we turned, I think maybe close to 10 or 11. Yeah. And I was like, man, this could work here. This actually works. Yeah. You know, there was a little bit of this weird fuzzy thing because my friend Tag, who I I guess we had gotten the idea from him, we had taken a whole different like ideology for it, but he was in this market and there was a little bit of like, it felt a little strange the first bit of time we committed to coming. Yeah. But we built this thing where we were focused on two to four events a week that were mm-hmm. big, um, you know, and got some businesses and subscriptions. And, you know, yeah. uh, at that point, Citizens Bank of Edmond was actually our first kind of like corporate client that we had on subscription basis, which was huge. And it's funny that they're still a big part of yeah. the success of this company even now. Um, and so and obviously the city as well and the city. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. Cause we weren't here. We were, right. but it's, it's funny to think of that. Yeah. Different How ownership group management, now, but yeah. now, yeah. I mean, they've been a huge part of my business store in Oklahoma since the day before we got here, which is awesome. Um, so anyway, we had found out how big it was. So while we were here, we ended up buying a house downtown and, uh, and made the decision and it was easy because we didn't have kids and you know, it wasn't that hard. It was hard to think about leaving Montana because we fell in love with, of course up there, but Jenny coming, kicking and screaming. She, uh, honestly, I got to the point where we had to make a decision and we, so I'm big on, I, especially in business planning, I tend to have an office that's just covered in whiteboard. Yeah. Um, and you know, our condo in Nashville had mirrors all in the living and you know, I've seen that, but all yeah, those mirrors yeah. and like small spaces. So I was covered. I'd write on everything. Yeah. Um, and so I had this whiteboard in my office and it was like, where would we want to live? Where do we think would be good? And so Denver was on there. Montana, Bozeman was mm-hmm. there. Oklahoma, Oklahoma city was there. Cause we knew we had a great thing yeah. that was happening. An opportunity because I knew a lot of people. Yeah. Um, those, so those ended up being our three, after we don't everything down, our three spots. We yeah. looked at Bend and some other place. We knew nothing about right. that and we didn't want to start over. We knew at that point we couldn't afford, we didn't have the pockets to start anew. Yeah. So we had to have a connection. So we had a little bit of connection in Colorado from her and from and my parents have been taking us to Crested Butte and living there for, I mean, sure. off and on since I was born. Yeah. So we had those three spots. And honestly, like, we realized we'd given Bozeman the go. Yeah. So that was sort of like kind of out, um, for the business. So we could shut it down and stay there. Right. And find other jobs and move on. Sure. Or we can try to go to Denver, Oklahoma city. Well, Denver had no coffee as far as seeing coffee at that point, which is crazy. Which is now crazy. It's one of the biggest, <laughs> fastest growing coffee yeah. communities in the country. Yeah. Um, but they just didn't have any. I was like, man, can we tell people about this kind of coffee? Like, can we afford that as a catering company? It's different when you have a shop, right. you can throw events and you can, get people in the door, but I have to go to them. Yeah. There are no other services like ours at that point either. Now there's two or three and we actually, I did a development for a long time and did a company there, helped the company get started in Denver too. Um, but, uh, we started looking at both and it's like, man, if we're going to do this catering thing and evoke, it has to be Oklahoma city has to be, that makes the most financial sense. gives us the best chance to win. And, and I was like, and then, so for like a week or two, we just saw it on the board, you know, all the pros, all the cons, a SWOT analysis of every group, all these things. And it's like, it just, it was like, 
yeah, if this business is to happen, it needs to be Oklahoma City. Okay. Or it needs to not happen. Right. And I just kept looking at that. I was like, man, I don't want to leave Bozeman. I love this town. And we're finally like, oh, we feel at home and we feel Settled, like this is yeah. our first place. There's a couple like, yeah, we got married in a yeah. year before, but like, and before we moved to Bozeman, but it felt like our place. Yeah. We didn't know anybody. So all of our friends were group friends and yeah. except all the things. Yeah. And I was going back to those, what's it mean to me to do a business that affects my family? Sure. Well, I mean, honestly, I think it was Jenny that really like said, if we're going to give this a go and we've tried, let's give it a go. Yeah. We don't have kids. It's easy. And so we like, if, and I may me not remember this correctly, but it felt like as I look back, like that she was one of the reasons why this, we actually made this happen here in Oklahoma city. Yeah. I don't think she loved it when we got here necessarily. It was a definitely an acquired taste. Um, and I think we're still acquiring that to figure out what this means to us, mm-hmm. but we, but we had a chance. And so we moved here, you know, we ended up having our first kid and then second, then third, but we, yeah. we got here, we were crazy involved. We found ourselves at tables with all the top chefs in Oklahoma city and all these events. And we were busy and we had our office in the plaza and with some great friends of ours. Yeah. Um, and, these are just really fun. Like they were working, but catering is a hard job and there's lots of late nights and there's lots of weekends and the holiday season yeah. and we were doing, you know, two caters a day for 45 straight days from Thanksgiving to the end of the year. Jeez. And so there's not a lot of time for anything. No. And so I got to the point where it's like, all right, cool. We've that part of our business was mm-hmm. operating in the black. Of course, as business yeah. goes, like you still carry like debt of five of years of trying to make it happen, but yeah. we were operating in the black. To me, that was a success story. Yeah. And it was like, I don't know that we can do catering like this long-term. I think we're reaching, at one point we had three or four employees, like we had two vehicles and we had several different co- like setups and yeah. you know, it was going great, but it's like, how far do we want to take this? So we started to talk about, let's get this cafe open sure. finally. We worked a few locations kind of off and on, didn't yeah. really work. And then we said, hey, here are five locations that we think we would be successful. Uh-huh. Let's do them. So we prioritized those again all over the board yeah prioritize those locations yeah sorry will them down well we got through number four and it fell through okay. and it takes me back to our conversation of driving from Oklahoma city to edmund yeah that one fell through i was frustrated the only one left on our list was downtown edmund yeah and to me which at that point wasn't much right i mean there was, many, there was a few things but it's not a, obviously Vindolce, not or Vindolce, yeah Vindolce yeah. was a wine bar they had just opened yeah maybe before us like but nightlife trying to do something cool and different uh, across the street, they had just opened that Italian gyms. Okay. The glass what year blowing. Was this? this was 2011. Okay. When this, when we were headed sure. there. Yeah. So, so it had something about, had potential was, about things it. were starting yeah. to like, like the, the pot was on the boiler and the flame was on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so we drove down and to me it already kind of, I know we had five buildings on the board, but really there was four buildings on the board. Yeah. Um, and this fifth one, I was just like, this is not evoke. Like we have this presence in downtown and we're at the plaza and we're this mm-hmm. urban kind of like company. We want the sidewalk space. We want, yeah, we want all this stuff down here. Yeah. Um, but we went and I remember the building was my good friend owned it. He was like, we can make this whatever you want. Yeah. And I was like, I know, but look at this building. He's like, this is just like, we'll just gut the whole thing and rebuild it. What do you want it to look like? And we told him, he's like, send me stuff. So we started sending him this stuff and we were very involved in like, yes, yeah. the architecture group, designed it but we were like no this is what it's going to look like yeah trust me i've had this was 2011 i started this vision in 2002 i knew what i wanted it to look like yeah and so we gave them all the stuff and they came up with like this is what this building could look like with this caveat of we don't actually know mm. what's underneath the ceiling because this building is the oldest building in oklahoma county yeah and we don't really know but if everything is this is what it could look like yeah and i was like man really like this building he's like yeah let's do it you want to do it. Cool. And I said, well, let's talk about some pricing. And he told me, I was like, you're like, you're making it where if I say no, I'll regret every second of not making a good business decision. So we said yeah. yes. Yeah. And of course, right after that, my buddy Keith Paul at Good Egg Dining called and had a building that I actually wanted <laughs> and said, hey, we Sorry, can make this Keith. happen for you. And I was like, dude, two weeks earlier? Yeah, I would have said, yeah. sign me up. And I wanted to say yes so bad, of but course. I couldn't because we made this deal and it was a friend. And yeah. I had this strange belief cockiness maybe or i don't know that we could help create and drive some change in a district that didn't have it yet yeah yeah yeah. and i hate saying that because i think the district was a lot for a lot of people and i don't ever like to use this like we started this thing to make it new and people absolutely love what it was before and and i think that it was perfect for that 
but I don't know that it was sustainable with the, with my generation right. and we were the next generation. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what was that building in that we were in? No, so the was, one that Keith offered you, what, which who's there now? Right now, I think Killer Coffee is using that so one right still. Right next to Cheers. Okay. Yeah, exactly yeah. So Market C was yeah. a concept they had at that yeah. point. Um, man, such a cool building. So. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and, I'm, and cool I'm stoked for my friends at Killer. Like, I'm glad they got it. Yeah. I'm sure they're outgrown it now, and who knows? They're probably looking for sure crazy, huge, yeah. awesome spot for their roastery. But, um, and so that was our Edmund thing. It's like, all right, cool. We're in Edmund. And we always like to make this joke. We instantly like up the population of rolled up jeans and tattoos and, uh, <laughs> instantly and bikes and scooters. And that was, you know, remember when scooters were a thing in Oklahoma city? Uh, so, you know, we, we take this on, mm-hmm. you know, and we start tearing down the building and we start going through this stuff and we start realizing yeah. like fan four drop ce- ceilings later, we have the original, the original roof. the yeah. original wood ceiling is in this building still yeah and i start to realize the stories in this building and the impact on what a coffee shop or a market or a deli or anything but like you know what around the corner has been for our community for a lot of people but right what about like the deli or the diner but what about what could we be for this community yeah we're not trying to be anything we're not we're not trying to create this like urban sure thing in edmund we're trying to create edmund's thing yeah but we want to be transparent and we want you to wear want to it on host, our sleeve. You want to be the host yeah. of Edmund's thing. So we're not going to, yeah. we're going to design it how we want Yeah. and how we feel like what we feel like the personality of Evoke is. And we hope people can embrace it and realize that it's like that we're here for them. Yeah. And so we build this thing out and you know, we were a bunch of kids, honestly. Like we had yeah. this, like we called like this, all these coffee, these people that joined us uh, on staff to help us launch this thing. And I mean, it was, it was, this was, so that was, we signed our lease in 2011. We opened in May of 2012. And I mean, I think the, I had this thing and people would always ask me like, Oh, what's the future look like? I'm like, I, dude, no have you looked at the, like <laughs> the success rate of little coffee shops owned by, you know, yeah. I don't know how old I was at that point, but uh, yeah. younger than I am now. It's like, it's not very good. I'm shooting to try to make it to year one or two or maybe three. Yeah. However, I'm visionary and I can't stop. I can't stop yeah. thinking about what we could be. And I said, but give me five years. Yeah. And I think this district rises up and we don't, and we're supported by a lot of things that have nothing to do with us. Yeah. Well, five years comes and there's talk now. There's not action yet. And I'm like, well, at least people are talking about it. Yeah. Like as a viable option. Yeah. You know, there's been some come and go with some companies and some changes and there's some vacant space and there's some retiring and, you know, but, but people are talking about what Edmund could be. Right. And then within like, gosh, from year five to year seven, we start seeing actual money put down and some change really starting to happen. Yeah. Um, fast forward to 2019 when we're, we found a, we have an offer and we, you know, like put this ownership group together that we still are a part of in a small way. And they said, let's take this. And I'm like, awesome let's do it so i sell the company yeah majority of the operating part of it and now we're seeing like even more so this like spring even through covid and i yeah was talking to a person on facebook about this the other day i've never felt downtown i'm gonna be more alive than it was than it is right now mm. despite covid yeah and i think there's something about the idea that we can be a downtown edmund for edmund we don't have this isn't a pol- this isn't an apologetic like we don't have to like enter with this like apologies to the market we can actually say no we're here because we believe in this district and we live here and it's no longer it's actually okay to say i live in edmund and i participate in what edmund's doing because it's for edmund right i know there's a lot of chatter about auto valley versus downtown edmund and paseo and plaza and like and maybe there's but i think finally people are realizing that we're genuine here yeah this district could be great we have on an urban planning level all the things that you need to be yeah. successful. We just don't, we just didn't have a collaborative vision to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing this adoption of, I mean, let's take rolling deep for instance. It just happened. Yeah. I did that. Man, I'm that's super awesome. stoked. And yeah. I've, I mean, five years ago and I, I've catch myself saying this kind of stuff. And I always asterisk to myself too, is like, we want to do a lot of things and I couldn't do them. Yeah. Um, and now there's people here that can, and I'm super excited and also find myself a tad bummed because I tried to do those things back in 2012 and just no way it could make right. it happen. Yeah. And so now it's happening and I'm trying to celebrate those and not get yeah. pissed, but that I didn't get to be a part of it. Right. Yeah. Um, but rolling deep, like I remember talking to dusty, I mean, dusty did 
that piece for my kid in this yeah. room yeah. next to us. And Dylan Bradway did this piece on my wall over here. And Jason Polly and Dylan did our big thing in our coffee truck. And, yeah. you know, Dylan did our first mural at Evoke. And yeah. Jason Polly and Dylan did another one. And then Dusty yeah. and Tanner did our new one. I mean, like, we've always had this, like, Connection and they're all plaza people. Yeah. We all, we, that's how we got to be friends is back in our plaza days. And to see, the grand group and the rail yard get yeah. dusty and all of his people together. Yeah. And, and honestly, the most exciting part is not that that happened because I mean, I just hope that they all got paid, but I assume they did. <laughs> artists can take paid jobs and they should. Yes. But it's yeah. the adoption of the excitement from that crew Yeah, saying this is legit and this is real. And I want to put yeah. my heart on this building for everyone to see yeah. that to me was the exciting part. That's exciting. Not even the event. The event was yeah. incredible, right. but the fact that some, that these artists were willing to say like to be okay and to adopt the fact that this is yeah. incredible and this is a great place to be. And then it's accepted by the city as well. Oh, everything. Like, that's huge. Yeah. So there's yeah. so many things that I took away from that that were, had nothing to do with rolling deep except to see them so excited about it. And yeah. it was a different direction. You know, like yeah. I'd had a lot of conversations about trying to get access to be able to paint, and it was like, oh, could I do that? But I need the businesses to like yeah. each individual to sign off that they're okay with it. Or I don't know. We don't have an ordinance for this yet. And and now that we're having it, there's yeah. an, this embrace that's that's happened with that space. And man, it couldn't be. I couldn't be more excited for everyone that's that's working their tails. Yeah. And I I'm spending a lot of time working on this advocacy level, I guess, on my on my own in my own headspace, trying to figure out what we can do to make yeah. it even better. And there's people on the ground willing to put money up and willing to have a lot of meetings and a lot of time spent yeah. on things that are not going to get, see a bottom line return necessarily. Right. But man, to have the right people in town that have not only have the vision, but have the money to help. Yeah. It's yeah. been, it's what we've missed. We've been missing that. Yeah. And I, I did a podcast recently and, and it'll, it'll be out previous to this one. Um, about like the interactive art that we have in Edmund at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and just that kind of like the willingness to be involved in it from like, like you mentioned, like the business owners have to sign off on this or they have even put up some money to have this here. Oh, you know, and Edmund's known for having some great art around it outside his businesses and all the rest of it. And it's only increasing. And to see that rolling deep, it's like, that's sick. It's huge. You know, huge. And it's funny, a great story about our kind of art council and all that is that, uh, one of the clerks yeah. is kind of in charge of that a little bit on like creating the money and all that. She's incredible. And she was in the shop having a coffee and I made a comment about a totem pole to a, a friend that yeah. was working with me. And she overheard me. He's like, you guys want a totem pole? We can try to make that happen. <laughs> I was like, cool. Not like, and, and then it was gone. Yeah. You know, like we were just talking about this totem pole that could yeah. be out front. That, like literally the next day she comes in with this printed piece of paper of a totem pole. Yeah. She goes, Hey, I found this. We can make this happen. You guys sponsor half and the city will sponsor half. <laughs> and it can go right out here. Where else does that happen? And I literally looked at her and started laughing. I was like, there's a lot of this that I am crazy excited, ecstatic yeah. about. I was not expecting you to come back the next day with right. this picture of a totem pole. But I think it's awesome that you're a in tune to this as much and B that like, this is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, the city, this private public partnership collaboration yeah, um, actually is literally what is driving yeah. this stuff. No one's compromising here. Right. We're collaborating. We're coming together, all different styles, all different backgrounds. People, I say this a lot and this is aggressive. People did not like, they hated us when we yeah. first opened in downtown Edmond. I mean, we didn't have free tea refills. We didn't have sweet tea. We didn't have yeah. blended drinks. We didn't. Because you were different. We were kids. We yeah. parked, you know, like they just didn't, there was this weird, like we were, yeah, we kind of made some ripples in town just by opening yeah. and people didn't love it. And that's changed now, which is really nice. Yeah. I remember this, but we had the same goal. We just wanted a vibrant, healthy, yeah. important district to service Edmond. Mm -hmm. I didn't care what everyone was doing downtown. Was I jealous at times for like the accountability and the social connections that yeah. the Plaza had and that Paseo had and this like kind of collaborative one mind community. Yeah. yeah I missed like, I was jealous of that. Cause we yeah. didn't have that in downtown Edmond. We had a lot of felt like kind of, this is how we've always done it. Right. And we had this, but what if we didn't do it that way and we changed it? Yeah. And it was, how do we collaborate? I don't want, you know, like there's a lot of people that like, well, we've always done the arts festival this way. It was like, well, what yeah. if we didn't anymore? What if we did it different? Yeah. Like what if I didn't compromise by saying, yeah, block my front door. And I embraced it and said, Hey, how do we collaborate and be a part yeah, of this? How can I be involved? And so we had to say this to ourselves too in the mirror. It's like, yeah. this is collaboration. This is, we're not changing the world. Mm -hmm. We are not the driving force 
of change. However, can we come to the table with a different mindset and collaborate with that and start to like interject some differences so that we can see a step two or a step 12 or whatever step we didn't start downtown Edmond. We didn't grow it as a company. It wasn't Jenny and I, it wasn't me. It wasn't any singular person. It was a group of people that have believed in it. Yeah. But if that group doesn't change and, and grow and move and, and then what happens? It stays the same. Right. And so you need that. And that's exactly what we, our hope was with Evoke was that we could start that and get, get involved and participate and be a part of the conversation and be active with the city. And that's why I go to every city council meeting, every planning commission meeting. You know, I sit on the downtown urban development board. Um, I'm big on the bicycles, but you have to get involved to know what's happening. And I remember, you know, a former mayor, we were in a meeting and the former mayor said, well, oh, what are you here for? I'm like, just to be here. Cause if I don't, I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. And if I'm not here, I don't know. Right. And it's sounds dumb and not many people want to, and they don't need to, Yeah. but just to know that the accessibility is there, that if you want something done and you believe in it, you can make change. Yeah. And that's exactly what we, when we opened Evoke, that's exactly what we believed when we sold Evoke. We, that's exactly what we believed. Yeah. Our real estate team is officed right across the street from Evoke. And that's the only place for us that made sense was to be in downtown Edmond. Yeah. And honestly, I'll be, I mean, as I'm looking for my next thing, that's exactly what I'm like. It's made it, it's made it really difficult because I need to know that there's something to fight for. Right. And that's not necessarily just selling some random product or some random service. Yeah. And so even looking at jobs outside of downtown Edmond is hard because I've spent the last gosh, since 2011 trying to develop yeah. downtown Edmond. You know, I don't have the money that the developers have to buy a bunch of raw land and get businesses to open, but I have a lot of vision. I can talk forever. Yeah. And I care about it enough yeah. that we want to see this change. I don't right. need to be the catalyst, but we can all advocate for what we want. Yeah. And everything that we want can happen simultaneously. We can get, you know, parking taken care of. People are, don't have to worry about that. And we can get public art taken care of. So we don't have to worry about that. And we can get food and drink and we can create a retail environment and we can create streeteries and we can create curb access and we can create all these things if we do it together. Yeah. But as soon as we start feeling like we had to compromise our vision and our dream mm. to make it happen. I feel like we lose a little bit, lose the character, loses. So, its how soul. Do we, so how do we get together at the table? How do we create these win-wins? And this is in business. This is in city stuff. This is in, I mean, general life. How do we yeah. get to the table and say, what do we want? Yeah. And what does this look like to take your vision for Edmund and my vision for Edmund and uh-huh. put it together and create this master plan right. as the planners like to talk about. Yeah. How do we create that? How do we, how do we create a healthier environment for cars and for bicycles and alt transportation? How do we create mm-hmm. that? You know, how, why is it that we do some bike work and then we get all these people really mad and want to like change that because we're allowing people to ride and walk. Yeah. And why is it vice versa? We get this stuff and then the, all the people that ride and walk want to get mad. So it's like, we're all here. Yeah. This is our town. Let's sit, create sit around the table and talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's get yeah. the people involved. Like, why do we have seven conversations happening in seven different locations with seven different people? Yeah. Why don't we come together and sit at one table and actually work together for the same thread? Yeah. And a great example is crosswalks and, you know, pedestrian movement. We're having meetings. I remember sitting at a table with city managers and engineers and city planners and downtown urban board. And then me, some crazy kid that has a big beard and drinks coffee all day long. Yeah. And we're talking about pedestrian movement and, you know, like safety and where crosswalks should be. And yeah. I left that hour long meeting excited because there's a lot of, I mean, city manager there. Everybody was there. Yeah. And then just this lowly coffee guy. But I left With there thinking With a valued like, opinion though. Yeah. Well, I mean. And they and, value that too. Sure. And I'm willing to say stupid things and ask stupid questions and, yeah. you know, like, and, re- and be repetitive. And I think that's a that's a whole different thing probably. But, <laughs> but then I had this conversation later with somebody else like, Oh yeah, we're doing these crosswalks over here. We've had meetings about it. I was like, well, who are you meeting with? Because I just met with all the head of the city's departments and that's not where yeah. we were talking about those places. And if you're having those meetings, why are we not meeting together? Yeah. You know, like you've been saying, you've been waiting for years about that, but like, that's not what I took away from the meeting I was in. And I thought every yeah. stakeholder was in this meeting. Yeah which is great. And I'm sure that, and, and there's been a lot of people doing a lot of work over the years, but what if we collectively yeah. did that together? You know, what if collectively as business owners, we came together and did the best thing for our staff and for, our, and for our guests. And what if yeah. collectively, you know, we, as a team, like in our cafe said, Hey, what's the most important if it's people, how are we going to take care of them the most? Right. And if it's community, how are we going to get involved? Um, but really coming back to 
if it's not about the people, then who's it for? Yeah. And the people of downtown Edmond, it's for the people of Edmond. And we love visitors. This is not that we don't want, we're creating, creating to create this like, yeah, well, come, Edmund come thing. on down. Yeah. But why do we have to like be scared to say that like we're creating Edmond for Edmond, for yeah. us? Yeah. You know, and we want you to come see it because right now we know you'll drive to Okarchi. We know you'll drive to Pops. Yeah. We know we'll all drive downtown, yeah. Oklahoma City. But what if we created something that we are proud of here? And right. what does that look like? And who's willing to put their neck out? to make it happen. Yeah. And and I said it in a public meeting and I'll say it again, you know, at some point the city has to say we're willing. Mm-hmm. Somebody like uh Sun, like Sunnyside Diner has to say I'll take that building. Yeah. And I was terrified for them. Yeah. Because I mean, honestly, like traffic flow, all the things that you look at in business was really hard right there. Right. Yeah. And I stood up and said, "Hey, here's the deal. I don't this is not pro or con the actual company that's going to hang a sign there." Right. This is pro somebody willing being successful to do in it. that spot. Yeah. So they're willing the city. You have to be willing also. Yeah. And if you're not, we're never going to go anywhere. And we're just going to be yeah. basically a location for downtown. Edmond will become citizens bank of Edmond yeah. office and the city's offices. And that's all we'll be. That's and if it. that's what it needs to be fine. Yeah. But I think there's, I think the highest and best use is not that mm-hmm. I think those two tenants are a part of it, but how yeah. do we, how do we do something more? You know, and now we're seeing it with the rail yard and with the rail spur district and with, I mean, the amount of stuff that citizens has done with herd on herd and other things. And this new Littler corridor that the city of Edmond is getting super creative to develop and, you know, all the stuff down on the North end of town now. And I, I don't think there's more exciting place to be right now. It's really exciting. Um, I don't know how, I don't know how I got from. You know this kid well, that was about it, bands, like, bands, yeah, yeah like playing bands in Nashville to yeah. what I'm doing now or what I am doing now. I mean, I help my wife run our real estate team. Yeah, you know, but but I think there's more, and I think it's trying to figure out what that is and mm-hmm. how we, you know, make great place. Yeah, hundred percent. So I honestly like we need to do a part two um, because I wish I didn't have to go and work this afternoon and we could sit here for hours, <laughs> uh, but like. I really want to dive in in another podcast and, and if possible, we'll get Jenny in and talk about yeah. the real estate stuff. Cause I'd love to hear a story and talk about what you guys do with the real estate and how you have the impact and you do. But I mean, for now, I mean, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, and thanks for having me. It's you know, always great talking. Yeah. And I could, like I said, it, I, I'm, we, we share the same, I love to talk, you know, and you love to talk and it's great to see your passion and everything you have for this city and the company and just, you know, back to collaborating community, being involved, you know, back to the band stuff, uh, you know, the music, stuff to where you are now like it all follows the same theme absolutely so i uh, appreciate you coming on and for everyone listening i'll post all the links down below to, to everything jason just mentioned but um yeah thanks for listening we'll catch you next episode cheers absolutely. this podcast was presented by the oklahoma hall of fame who've been telling oklahoma's story through its people since 1927 follow them online at oklahomahof.com and definitely on instagram at oklahomahof catch you next episode cheers thank you for listening we are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories for more great oklahoma content follow this is oklahoma on facebook and instagram